Hello, my beautiful survivor friend. This is Purina. I am the host and creator of this podcast, Stroke Surviving the Odds. For those of you who don't know me, I suffered a brainstem dissection in March of 1999, which led to a coma in a locked-in syndrome, but eventually it led me here to you. I always said that if I can help one person in this big world feel better about their situation, my job is going to be done and I'm going to be over the moon. Turns out I'm in seven continents and I'm helping more than one person. So thank you to all of my listeners. I know I have a majority of women that are my listeners. So please feel free to reach me on Facebook at Stroke Surviving the Odds underscore the pod page or on Instagram at Surviving the Odds underscore the podcast. I want to know where you're from, what you're doing. Are you a caregiver to someone who's a survivor or are you a survivor yourself? What is it that you would like for me to talk about? What would be pertinent for you to find out right now? So I want to know. Today's episode is going to be all about showing some love, appreciation and gratitude towards those who help us every day. What I have for you here is the five top things that I've done over the years as a survivor, especially at my beginning, that would drive people up the wall and that sometimes still do and I have to be very conscious. So I hope that you stay and you listen because this is very, very interesting. Today's episode is called How to Help Others Help Us. It's very self-explanatory. I want to dig right into it. So with your blessing, let's do this, guys. As survivors, we tend to have our mind cluttered with things that we want to say or expressions or responses that we want to give to the other person. And in our minds, phrases are complete with a subject, a verb, nouns, comas, periods, exclamation marks. Everything is clear as day in our minds. But yet the connection doesn't happen between what's going on in our heads and what comes out of our mouth. I know for myself, when I wake up in the morning and when I go to bed at night, like when I'm really tired, you can't understand what I'm saying. I talk and I sound like I have a hot potato in my mouth. Even uh, some days, I'm sure you've heard me in my episodes, I choose to record my episodes when I know that my voice is a little bit better and a little more energetic because I'm aware of this problem. Now, the number one thing that I would like for you survivors to make life a little easier for others 
is to speak as clearly as you can. The words that come out of your mouth, they need to be clear. So what I'm saying is you need to take your time. You need to take your time. The reason also why I'm saying to speak clearly is that it's extremely frustrating for them to hear us and say, I can't understand you. Can you, can you repeat? I can't fucking, what are you talking about? You see, you see the tone that I use right now. I know that you can relate to it. And I know that you've had someone in your life at, at some point talk to you like that. And what happened? The consequence of you not speaking clearly is that they got frustrated and they got annoyed and they hurt your feelings. So this is not a must. This is just to, I'm, I'm trying to save you right now. I'm trying to save you the pain because I know when people give a shit, when people tell us what they honestly think, especially our spouses, uh, sometimes there are exchange of words that are said that are regretted after. Do you agree? So I, I want to save you from having to hear that shit that they might give you. So try to speak as clearly as you can. If you notice when I do my episodes, I try to speak as slowly because I want to make sure that the connection between, like I said, the brain and my words come out properly. I want you to, the listener, to completely understand what I'm talking about. And um, it, it can only be reflected in our life, in our everyday life. And I know that stroke survivors, they come in many different shapes and forms and degrees of effect, uh, affected but do the best that you can. And it's important that you remember because we tend to be very snappy as stroke survivors. Again, an imbalance happens in our brains and everything is so clear up there, right? Everything is so clear, but it's not such when it comes out. So I know it's very tempting to say, Never mind, I'll do it myself. Oh, fuck, you never want to tie my shirt or tie my shoes. Or that, this is one thing. We have to remember that when we talk to another person, they only capture 20% of what we say. I mean, I, I was flabbergasted myself when I saw the stats. 20% of what we say goes to the... Um, attention of the other person and 80% 80% has to do with how we say it the attitude that we put behind it and as survivors in the morning we get up we're cranky at night we're cranky especially think of a baby think of a baby when a baby wants to go to nap other than scratching their little eyes and being very grignard and very pain in the butt, they want to sleep. We are the same. So make your life easy. Take your time and speak as clearly as you can. So speak clearly is one. Speak slowly is two. 
It's very aggravating for them to figure out what we're talking about. And again, they they hurt they hurt our feelings with their answers. Words clutter our brains. As survivors, our brains are cluttered with a gazillion things. And we have the impulse to talk so fast as if we're never going to speak again. I don't know if it happens to you, but even today, sometimes when I get on my hyper side, I, I'm afraid I'll never be able to speak again. So I just blur everything out. I have a little story. I was in the ICU for six weeks. I was corked, meaning that, like I said before, I had a tracheostomy, essentially a hole in the throat that would help me to breathe. But uh, what would happen? I was corked for six weeks, guys. I couldn't talk. The only time I could talk is when they would put literally, it's instead of a wine cork, Think of it as a little triangular cork that just blocks the hole in my throat. It's kind of weird, huh? It's, it's not a pretty sight, but it does the trick, right? The only way that the um, words that I could speak, uh, that you could listen to me, was when I was corked. And um, I always make a joke that I speak so much after my... Like once I, I went to rehab and my life started again, I always make a joke that I was corked for so long and I couldn't speak that now I speak too much. That's my little joke. The number three thing is extremely important. Maybe number three should have been number one because it's still the one that I do again. But Please, please, please do not talk with your mouth full of food or drink. I repeat, do not <laughs> talk with your mouth full of, of food or drink. I have to tell you why. Okay, this is super embarrassing for them. Consequently, it's embarrassing for you. Okay, the story I have to tell you I'm a couple of years, pa you know, past my rehab and all that, and I'm back at home. And I went to meet my then husband at a bar. And uh, he had clients to go see what, whatever. And I go and meet him, and he says, you want something to drink? So I say, yeah, I'd like a vodka cranberry. Anyway, so I get my drink, and we're at the table with other people, and we and I start laughing, but I really, really, really laugh. And as I'm laughing, I'm thinking I'm pretty cool, right? I'm going to take a sip of my drink. And I spat my drink like you wouldn't believe. And my, my, ref my reflex to do that is to push my chair away and I spit everywhere on the floor. Like it's just too freaking funny, right? It's funny to me. But it's embarrassing to them. Another thing. I'm at a dinner party. And I'm having my coffee after dinner, right? And we're just talking. And 
things don't necessarily have to be said out loud to be funny because sometimes the scenario is funny in my head, right? <laughs> well, if God forbid I'm drinking, uh, you know, if I drink and laugh, I can't do it. I got to say, stop it. Like, because if not, I'm going to be spitting it out. Another thing, I had my mom and my stepfather and I had family over for dinner quite a few years back. And I had served some rice with my meal. And I aspirated. I talked with my mouth full. And I properly chewed and swallowed most of what was in my mouth. But there was one grain of rice that I aspirated. What do you think happened? Not a good thing. I coughed and coughed and coughed and coughed. What do you choke on? Do you choke on food? Do you choke on drinks? I have a very hard time now with hard-boiled eggs. Uh, again, I will choke until I'm red in the face. You wouldn't believe it. So now that I know this is going to happen, in order to prevent it, I will put a salad dressing or mayo or a little bit of oil uh, and I'll make sure that I smash my hard-boiled eggs. I love hard-boiled eggs, but that's what I got to do. Because I noticed over the years, every time, never mind when I spit my drinks, that's one thing. But when I'm actually choking on food, what happens is that the other person, they don't know if I'm going to die. I remember the look on my mom and my, 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 my uh, then-husband they didn't know if I was going to choke and die. They didn't know because I was just coughing and coughing for, I'm talking about minutes here. And I coughed so much that my energy, I'm exhausted after. So why worry them? Why talk with my mouth full? Don't I know better? I mean, I know that when we were, when I was young, my mom would say, don't talk with your mouth full. And I never understood why. Now I'm a grown ass woman and I understand why. So what happens is that they worry because they see us choking. We worry also. And we lose our energy. And I'm sure that some of you lose your appetite altogether. And some of you get into arguments with your spouses because you did that in public. So there's a lot of consequences to not... I'm sorry, I look deconcentrated right now, Lo. There's a guy driving in the street. I'm sure you can hear his car behind. He has this big vroom vroom motor. And I mean, I'm trying to record here. All the windows are closed in my apartment. Yet you can still hear this truck, so the, the car. So I'm sorry about that. As I was saying, let's keep going. As I was saying, just make sure you chew your food. You don't eat it while it's dry or you don't, you, you drink as you're eating. It's going to go much faster and much easier in your throat. Do you eat regular food or do you eat pureed food? I know that at my beginnings as a survivor, because I also had dysphagia and I couldn't swallow the smallest thing, I had to drink thickener in my water. Everything had to be like a pudding consistency before I got to eat 
the regular food. I don't mind it. I actually like it. My favorite favorite at the at the rehab was all about um tortellini and tomato sauce put in the blender is actually not bad, guys. <laughs> that was just a sidebar, okay? So number one is talk clearly, as clearly as you can. Number two, talk slowly. Make sure everyone understands what you're saying. And number three is don't talk with your mouth full or with uh, food or drinks. And now we're at number four. Four is all about appreciating them. Do you tell the people that are helping you, do you tell your spouse? Do you tell your parents? Do you tell whoever's in your life that you are helping, that you are being, uh, sorry, that whoever's in your life that's helping you recuperate, rehab from your stroke? Do you just tell them how much you love and appreciate them when, when you're trying to make up with them? Or do you do it on a regular? It's very important. Because us, it's, it's only human nature, by the way. In this particular context, us survivors, we want to know that we are loved. And I notice for myself, even though I see people's actions, even today, I see people's actions all the time. But especially back then, if they weren't told, if they didn't tell me, I didn't feel them. So when you think about it, you don't do to others what you don't want to be done to you. But you also do to others what you want to be done to you. If you want someone to tell you that they love you and they appreciate you and they see all the efforts you're doing to come back and regain your um, normality or, or stability, do you tell them how much you love them? And one of the ways that as a survivor, we can show our love. If you don't tell them, if you're not comfortable, it's okay. It's okay. If you're not comfortable, one of the ways you can do it is by not being snappy and bitchy all the time at them. Make it pleasurable for them to be around you. Uh, watch how you talk. I told you before. When we talk to others, only 20% has to do with what we're talking about. 80% is how we say it. How do you talk to others? Do you like when your spouse or your friend or whoever takes care of you for that matter? Do you like when they say in, 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 in a very unpleasant and you just feel like saying, can you watch your tone? Do you watch your tone when you talk to others? And maybe not be so demanding. As a survivor, we are naturally demanding. I told you in other episodes, something happens when we think that everything has to do with us. It's not the case. And sometimes we are impatient, right? I know you know what I'm talking about. We want everything now. We want everything snappy. Babe, can you do this? Babe, can you do that? That's being demanding. That's like asking, being afraid of lacking. Don't be so demanding to the others. 
That's how you show love. Don't be snappy and bitchy. Watch how you talk to them because you want them to watch how they talk to you. Don't be so demanding. Piano, piano. Everything is... You're going to get to Christmas at the same time as other people. That's what my mom used to say. Which leads me to number five. I... I'm still working on it. I work on it every single day. And you know what? The older I get, the better it gets. Be freaking patient. Be as patient with them as you want them to be with you. So number four and number five go together. Be very, very conscious that, that how they feel let me explain this. I'm trying to think properly here because you know when I when I record, I don't write my episodes. I talk from the heart. I talk as if we're sitting at the table having coffee and I'm trying to make sense, okay? So, just be conscious about that. And and know that they will never feel what you feel. They will never Feel how you feel. They are not survivors. They are in their respect. But you, you are the stroke survivor. Okay? Our loved ones feel. They feel with us. But they will never feel your pain. Do I make sense? I told you before, by helping your caregiver, you're actually helping yourself. By making their life easier, they're going to make yours easier also. Because they're going to feel the love, they're going to feel appreciated, they're going to feel respected. They're not going to be embarrassed. You are going to be the best stroke survivor there is out there, right? At the beginning of my episode, I mentioned how I would have liked someone to be like me 20 years ago. I would have liked to meet somebody like me 20 years ago that would have helped me navigate this very, very turbulent world of stroke survival, right? You know what? Right now, I want you to realize I'm not any better than you at all. I told you that. I'm just, I've been in the game a bit longer than you. I've done a lot more mistakes than you. And I want to save you. I don't want you to make the same mistakes as I did. That's essentially why I decided to do this podcast. I want to be there for you. I know that um, I'm obviously very aimed on stroke survivors, but one thing that I've learned over the years with a lot of journaling, a lot of reflecting, is that yes, I survived, I worked my ass off, I did a lot, but I grew to have so much respect and empathy towards those who helped. Even though he's my ex-husband, I will always have the deepest respect. And I mean, 
I empathize. I empathize with you. With with. I empathize with you, caregivers, with you, spouses. I know the majority of my listeners are females. I think we have it in us to be caregivers because, like I said, it's it's for us or most of us, it's a natural thing. Don't forget about yourself in there. But I want you stroke survivors to help, help those help you. Remember that they are not the enemy. They feel everything you feel. But the number one thing is that they can never feel your pain because they are not survivors, stroke survivors themselves. No one will ever carry this cross. It is for you to bear. You got this. I believe. I love you. I'm here for you. Again, my Facebook is Stroke Surviving the Odds underscore the pod page and on Instagram at Surviving the Odds underscore the podcast. I love you very much and I will see you next time. I love you. Bye.